from the summer home of liberty in Kyle, Texas. This is From the Center, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Hayes County. Now, here are your hosts, Chelsea Meckel, Mike Hansen, and Rick Hubbard. So when I started working for Neil a couple of months, or about a year ago now, I remember being constantly told that we needed to vote for Republicans to protect our gun rights. Now what the fuck? I hear Bonin is killing constitutional carry on the floor and that nobody up there is doing anything about it. I'm seeing Republicans trying to look for other people to leave the party. So it seems like it's a bright time for libertarians to get a good, you know, pro-2A candidate in there that can speak eloquently about these things. Uh, I agree. <laughs> look at me like that. <laughs> it's your turn to say something. Ah, well, uh, I've already got the Constitution. It's my right to carry. I, I don't know what they're arguing about. I think they just need to acknowledge it and be done with it. Uh, I, I think when it comes down to it, if we're really truly going to protect the Second Amendment in the state of Texas and in the United States, then it's going to have to be the Libertarian Party that does it. I mean, even the strongest gun rights supporters in the Republican parties nowadays are either too afraid or too unwilling to do anything to protect Second Amendment rights. So, well, we've got Trump up there getting away with more gun control than Obama ever did. And I remember under Obama's reign, the Republicans were scared to death that things like bump stocks were going to be banned. And now it's just, oh, you just want the bump stock? It's not that big a deal. What, you can't shoot without a bump stock? And people seem to be missing the entire thing of the bump stock's not going to do anything. And we're putting in people in prison for something that even the anti-gunners are calling a toy. Well, yeah. And I've all... Where bump stocks are concerned, if the market were to completely destroy those things, that would be fine with me. I think they're they're toys, and I think they're potentially dangerous ones. The government shouldn't have any shouldn't have a any skin in this game. It's it's there's no place for it there. The government shouldn't be telling us what we can and can bolt onto our firearms, no matter how stupid they are. I hear you can bolt a politician on the front of an AR now, though. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, but it'll make it stop working. Aww. Chainsaw, 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 oh, chainsaw adapters. Yes. Yeah, that one actually caught me by surprise. There actually is one. Mm-hmm. Can I put cow farts on the front? Yeah, you can, actually. You can do that. Those are dangerous, I hear. I hear those can kill the world in 10 years. Wasn't that the quote? 10 years. World's ten dead. Years, cow ten farts. Years. So why should I care? <laughs> but I find it entertaining, though, that we look to our government to acknowledge a right that's been documented in the founding documents of our government that says we have the right to bear arms it makes no sense it's it's backwards it's the idea that they're arguing over acknowledging that right exists instead of just acknowledging that it exists and moving on it, it makes no sense well, the thing is, is it acknowledges an existing right. It doesn't grant it. Somebody said that the other day in something I was watching. Uh, I think it was the, the progressive gun club. And the government gives us the right to keep and bear arms. Well, no, it doesn't. We have the right to defend ourselves. And by connection to that, we have the right to the tools, to the best tool for the job to defend ourselves. So it's it's not something the government's granted. This is something the government has placed protections on. Yeah. And I think it's important that we be clear about that as well. Yeah, they acknowledge that it's an inherent right to existing. And that's really what this all boils down to is getting our state legislature to acknowledge that that right is inherent and exists. Yeah. Now, I can understand some of the arguments against constitutional care. People are worried that untrained people are going to do things that are going to cause people to, to, to be harmed. 
numbers in my investigation don't bear that out. Mm -mm. Uh, time and time again, we see people who are carrying, for instance, one of the kids that grabbed Jared Longer after he after he assaulted. Uh, I can't remember her name. Giffords was carrying a handgun, drew his handgun, and then put it back in the holster because he knew, this 19-year-old kid, knew that if he pulled the trigger, somebody was gonna get hurt and probably not the person that needed to get hurt. I mean, he then stepped forward when somebody else actually jumped the guy and helped restrain him, but this kid had the presence of mind to know that me pulling the trigger right now is only gonna make the situation worse. I believe that's a vast majority of gun owners in America would have made the same decision. Well, with gun owners, we're really the problem. What's the number of guns in America? Isn't it equal uh, to the people? An estimated 3.25 million guns, or 325 million guns. Okay, so that's about the population of the American. I'd probably ratio out about that level. Yeah. So if they were really the problem that people make them out to be, wouldn't we see, I mean, we're in this house and how many of us have guns and nobody here is getting killed? Exactly. And and, and you got to keep in mind, with those, 325 million guns in American hands. There's about 8 trillion hand, rounds of ammunition. And as the popular meme says, if it was if gun owners were a problem, you'd know it already. Yeah. Yeah. The the issue isn't the gun owner, the issue isn't the the carrying of guns, the issue is the government acknowledging our right. And and there's a disconnect there and, and it's a common disconnect. People look to the government as a entity on its own, but the government is something that that we project. It is it is it is us that created the government and in turn we're asking the government to acknowledge the restraints that we've placed on it. And that's really what this boils down to, because this can be done with, with firearms just as much as it can be done with free speech, which we've seen the arguments around that. We've seen the arguments around religion and some of the issues we've had there. This isn't a singular um, issue. It is. It actually reaches out on several levels. And all we want is the government to acknowledge these rights exist. Yeah. Well, we have and it. we're seeing more and more of this, especially since what happened in Christchurch, uh, New Zealand, a couple of weeks ago. We are. We actually have these companies stepping up and saying, "Well, we don't care. Regulate us. Go ahead. Do it. We'll help you write the regulations." And they're regulating free speech, and that re that leads back to the Second Amendment because these companies are trying to shut out Second Amendment advocates from their platforms. Well, you saw Zuckface and his wanting to limit free speech. Social media should, or it's up to the government to limit political speech, was what I saw used. Yeah, and and I'm willing to step up and help you write the laws to make it happen. Yeah, and that's I think that kind of also goes back to I'm wondering how much people learn at the very beginning, like in high school, about are these natural rights or these rights bestowed on the government? And there's a huge argument about that. You've got, on the left, people saying that all of these rights are gifted to us by the government, as though the government is some benevolent factor that just wants us all to be happy, and we all know that's bull, versus what it really is, which was natural rights. You have the natural right to self-defense. You have the right to speak your mind. And you have people, the right to practice, yeah. or practice religion in the way you best see fit. Or not practice it. Yeah. And as long as you're not sacrificing your neighbor's child, you know, you should be okay. Yeah. But, but what and the, if the neighbor's okay with it, no, I'm what, kidding. What this, the child might not like it. <laughs> what we're doing here by, by refusing to even put it up for a vote, because it's going to pass. It's wanted by almost everybody who's not on the left. Want constitutional carry to pass. By not putting it up there, they're saying, we know better than you. 
this is this is Dennis Bonin saying, I know better than you. I'm not going to put this up for a vote because whatever's going on in his head, it looks like I know better than you. We shouldn't do this. And I think he's I think he's dead wrong. I think he's setting a very dangerous precedent, not only for gun rights but for all individual rights in the state of Texas. And along the same lines, have you all seen Ted Cruz is now supporting red flag laws? Yeah, actually I did. He's... I was told not to vote for Neil Dykeman because I needed to watch my gun rights. And now the people that I was told to vote for, who I did not vote for, but those people got in and I'm watching my gun rights, all right? Go that way. Yeah. Go left. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. But it's... Red flag laws are the same as, as, as requiring licenses for carry. It sounds good on paper. Until it doesn't you see bear out when you look killed. at the numbers. I wrote, a piece for, I wrote a piece on the LPA's website not too long ago pointing out that when it comes to red flag, red flag laws, you're, you're, you're taking the wrong thing off the street. If somebody is so dangerous that we have to go and take their guns away from them, that person shouldn't be in society. We should be collecting that person and getting him the help he needs to make him a sane, safe member of society again. Not taking guns away from people. But red flag laws are a band-aid towards a bigger problem. If there is an individual that is a criminal, that is a dangerous society as you described, the breakdown has taken place far before we ever get to a point of a red flag flying. You know, that the individual should have been in court over whatever crimes he's committed. And if he hasn't committed crimes, then they shouldn't be looking at him. Yeah. True. Because it's a presumption of guilt prior to ever committing a crime, if that's the case. Which is, of course, a constitutional violation. Yes. But the thing is, is like people like Jared Longer, who I mentioned earlier, there had been indications from mental health professionals that this was a dangerous person. This was somebody who was highly likely to hurt people. When you have a situation, when you have a professional that says that they should be able to go to a judge and say, maybe we should do something about this guy. But there has to be due process connected to it. You can't just say. And that's the problem with red flag laws is they completely remove due due process. As our hero in Washington, Donald Trump, has said, (laughs) we'll take the guns and then we'll worry about due process. Doesn't work that way. No, No, yeah. Well, what gets me the most is like, and they keep saying the red flag laws need to be done because school shootings, and that's the one I get brought up the most. School shootings, school shootings. But every time I have, I, we see a school shooting in the mail or in the news, it's just a matter of a few days before you hear the phrase "we knew," and it's never the citizens that knew. It's always some form of government official, be it a teacher going, I knew he was not right, a principal going, I knew this kid wasn't right, or even the FBI, as we've seen in most of these recent cases, going, oh no, we already had a file on him. So my question is, is why are all these government officials, and why are the people buying this? They're saying that they can fix something, yet every time we give them the power to fix something, they foobar it up even more. I want to know what's on my file. Right? With the FBI. Um, I've tried to find my file. It's boring. Yeah. But you're right. It's it, either they're not doing their job or they're doing too much. But the concept of saying. Me. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> the, the concept that somebody stands up before a camera in a, in, a, in a sensationalized event and saying, well, we've always known or we suspected or we knew. You know, you're, you're playing a game here. You, you knew why. This is backseat driving. This is armchair quarterbacking. You don't know. 
you really, if you would have really known, you would have taken action. Yeah, or they wanted it to happen to use it as a reason to compensate more. I don't have a lot of trust in government, so I get a little tinfoil hat sometimes. Y'all see it? It's cute, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Imagine the, my hair. The, the thing I'm curious about, if we, if, if we go back to the Stoneman Douglas event last year, Sheriff Israel has now been suspended. Uh, can you by, give a summary on that, just cause, to make sure? Because well, I'm a little scratchy. Sto- Stoneman Douglas there was a the school shooter last... Uh, the was it, it was February 14th, uh, Valentine's Day before okay. last. Kid walks into the school, starts shooting. Kid has a long history of problems. At, in, in Broward County for Florida, where Stoneman Douglas is, they had a system to reduce violence. What it was, was they were changing the definition of crimes, of criminal activities these students, to make it look like they were, they were improving. They were basically ignoring problem kids yeah. like the like the kid that walked into Stoneman Douglas and started shooting people. So Israel held his held the sheriff, his uh, deputies back, did not let them go in until everybody was there. When in 90, 1999 we discovered when something like this happens, the first person on the scene goes in because that's how lives get saved. He held them back and then he held back information that would have prevented this guy from buying a gun with our present background check system. But it never made it in. So here we have, after long after the fact, after everything starts to die down a little bit, now he's being suspended. So that we, so that it's harder for gun rights activists like us to turn around and say, "You see, you know the problems there. There it is. You suspended the guy, but it's been so long, nobody cares anymore." Yeah. Well, that's kind of like what happened with that Dallas cop that you know decided that she was going to make herself welcome in someone else's home and shoot him because she's a cop and can do that. Yeah. Where's she in the news right now? Nowhere. Yeah, uh, disappeared. Yeah. The whole story went away. Yeah, but you know. And now that, that, and that's this yeah. is the point where they start doing something about all these these government failures, these failures of the system. They keep hiding them. It's the same thing with the wall. The majority of illegals come over because they overstay their visas. Let's build a wall, guys. You're still going to have the long lines trying to come over. They're saying there are these long lines trying to get in right now, and that's a crisis. No, if there's a long line trying to get in, that means they're trying to get in. That means legally. Yes. That wall is still going to make... There's still going to be a long line of people they're trying to get in. Oh, uh, the side note. I think we should start calling that the avocado wall. The avocado wall? (laughs) (laughs) Because I like avocados, and now I'm not going to be able to get them if Trump gets his way. The the trend that we keep seeing here in all of these examples that come up uh, is we see a failure for government to be able to enforce laws that government created, um, and in turn... We keep turning back to government to fix the problem that they created. Yeah. It, it, it's it's cyclic. It doesn't make sense. We keep turning to the people that are the problem to fix the problem instead of saying enough of uh, yeah. enough of this mess. Let's start over. Exactly. Yeah. We start solving the problems ourselves. Yes. So, like I was in a debate the other day with a guy that was uh, saying that we needed to keep the regulations. I know this is off topic, but on the hairstylists, they needed to have a license. And then I was like, well, you know, you have a lot of people out there that can braid hair really well. They can cut hair really well, but they don't have the money or the time to go through a, I don't remember how many hours course it is now. It's pretty long. Yeah, and to get their license. I went through that course. I was a massage therapist. I thought that would go well with it. Guess what? I didn't learn anything in there other than read the directions on the box. But this guy, and I was like, you know, how many people would that help out of poverty if they could just go do what they're good at without having to be licensed for something trivial? 
And he's like, well, and his argument was, well, thank God there's the government to take care of them until they can afford to do that. That's why we need to make college for free. No, no, no. I was like, you just broke someone's <laughs> legs and said, thank God the government gave them a crutch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but that, it always seems to come back to that. They promise all these things. Oh, look, you give us these this privilege and we will take care of you. We give them the privilege and it's bull. And then they're like, oh, we need more privilege, more privilege, more privilege, more of your rights. And what was that saying? Who was it? You give up a little security for freedom. You deserve but neither. Neither. And you will Benjamin get Franklin. neither. Mm-hmm. Well, so. we've been speaking a lot on government infringement on rights. Uh, let's talk about an attempt to reduce that in the state of Texas. Uh, going up hopefully this week uh, is going to be HB 1347, which is the Texas Sovereignty Act. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that in our first podcast. Yeah, we did, and I, I think it's an important one. Uh, you've done more work on it, Chelsea, than, than either of the rest of us. What can you tell us about it? It's just basically a law or a bill in uh, Congress right now, and it's in the House saying that if the federal government oversteps any of the constitutional rights, the state of Texas can enforce their Tenth Amendment right, which is already in the Constitution. Nobody's debating the Tenth Amendment like they're debating the others. So it's there. It's solid. And Texas can say that is an unconstitutional law. We're not enforcing it. Now, there's committees involved, and it's a process. It's not just someone in Texas going, I'm not following this. But it's a good way for Texas to pull itself back and go, we're a state. We have equal rights under a federal government to the state, and it just gives them more power. You know, in reading the act, I found it refreshing that the acknowledgement of the sovereignty is with the people. I mean, it references the sovereignty of the state of Texas and the people. And yeah. it's an important thing to remember that government truly isn't sovereign. It's it's authority is derived from us, the people. And so I really, I, I found that kind of refreshing that that was reflected in the document. Uh, now, from a legal perspective, obviously, they reference the state and the role of the state in all of this. But it's it's important that people keep that in mind. Remember, it's that us. It is, it is us. It is the people listening to this podcast. It is the people that we interact with at the grocery store. They are the government. We, the people. Yeah. And so we, we need to keep that in mind. It's, it's concerning, though, to see the need for a state to write legislation like this because this is already been documented yeah. in the Constitution, and it's just a, it's a reflection of a breakdown, a systemic breakdown that we see at the federal level, where the federal government does not uh, either 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 willfully or is ignorant of the role that it's supposed to be playing, and it continues to overstep its bounds. And it's sad that a state must put forth this kind of legislation internally to say back off. Yeah. You're out of bounds. Well, it's, and that's it's, what really what this document does. Oh, yeah. But it's even scarier because you see other states, I think we're on state 12 now, that's giving up their right to the uh, right to vote to the popular vote. What's the point of even voting in these states? Colorado doesn't have a big enough population that it's really going to affect California, Texas, and New York's posi- positions. These people are giving up, other states are giving up their right to sovereignty. And it's happening all around Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So hope, will Texas take... You know, the Texas Sovereignty Act, will the people in office support this? Or are we going to start seeing more and more federalism coming to Texas? 
And it's not like our governor's doing anything to stop it. It's not like our lieutenant governor's doing anything. Nobody's doing anything. Well, it's it's up to us to do something. Yeah. I mean, if 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 our state government doesn't want to stand up, assert its tenth tenth amendment rights, make it clear that we are a sovereign state, as the Constitution has judged this country's construction should be, then it's going to be up to us to to make those changes. But these are the things libertarians are pushing, y'all. So remember, we're cool. <laughs> well, and, um, and and we have cookies. Yeah, we yeah. have. Lots of cookies. <laughs> and we have Heather Fazio up there pushing, uh, was it 68? I'm so bad at remembering numbers. I think it was 63. 63. 63. Yeah. HB 63 that I'm seeing a lot of good things come from that. Mm. So. Her work has really been very, very inspiring. Yeah. When you when you look at the, the approach she's taken, and I've watched her over the years, you know, she's taken a very, very mature look at how to deal with this issue when you're dealing with individuals who are not being mature about it at all. Yeah. And so she's taken a very, very, I don't like the word progressive necessarily in this. this pragmatic? Pragmatic, maybe. Pr- pragmatic approach and incremental. Um, she recognizes that you can't have a, a change to something as ingrained in society as uh, the use of marijuana being such a bad thing. You can't have that change overnight. So her approach has been very incremental in finding ways to help people understand where there are benefits. Well, you have to move them slowly. There's a whole theory behind yes. it. You've got to get them out of yeah. what it's called the latitude of rejection and start putting yeah. them into the latitude of acceptance. And you don't just push them, which is something I think a lot of libertarians have forgotten. You can't just you know snap your f- fingers and go legalization across the board. It's not going to work. Yeah. You have a lot of Texans that put their heels in about that steel. Well, and on, on the same no, uh, discussing Tenth Amendment issues across the board, it's very heartening to, for me to see how many sheriffs are now standing up and saying, "That's not constitutional. I'm not going to enforce it. I'm done." Yeah, do on, we know what our sheriffs do? A lot of it, a lot of it has to do with with firearms ownership, and and the uh, the red flag laws in particular. They're saying, "I'm not going to enforce it. This is not constitutional. It's my job to protect my constituents' constitutional rights. I'm not doing it." And we're seeing that more and more and more in some of these same states that are giving up their their right yeah. to the electoral college in all of these areas they're saying no stop we're done yeah you're going too far we're not going to enforce well, it. i'm interested to see how the people are going to change are they going to keep up with this idea that it's the government that bestows all of our rights or are they going to realize the power lies within the 325 million people in this country not an exact number but still it well, lies you, with you us. can never know the exact yeah. number but, but somewhere in the neighborhood, yeah. somewhere between 325 and 350 million Americans right now. Yeah. So at what point are we going to step up against the couple thousand that are standing against us? Yeah. And go, we've had enough. But thankfully, like I said, people like Heather and other people up there pushing, uh, Tom Glass pushing uh, Texas sovereignty, Heather pushing uh, the decreased criminalization. You've got libertarians and that are working medical, hard medical and medical marijuana. You've got libertarians that are up there pushing hard, just... I wish more people knew that we were more valuable than just, you know, the pot-smoking kids in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more than guns and weeds. Yeah. Yeah, this, this particular act is very interesting, and I, I recommend anybody that hasn't read it to read it, whether it passes or not. 
educate yourself on the topic of what role the state plays and what role the federal government plays. And if anything, even if this does not pass, understand that and recognize that as a voter. That when you go to the ballot and you're choosing a president or you're choosing a, 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 a governor, the roles of these different individuals mean something. Yeah. And they have certain, they have certain authority that we grant them, and they have other areas that they they work within that we don't grant them authority over, and that's that's really important to understand. Yeah, the one that gets me is healthcare in America, and I'm like, where in the federal or in the U.S. Constitution does it say the American government will provide healthcare for the people? It does say under the 10th Amendment, right, that anything not listed here goes to the states. Yes. So I do think that's a state issue, and depending on state constitutions, that's up to them. Yeah. It could be a state issue. Yeah. It, up, up to the state and its, yeah. it's, uh, its boundaries that are set by the people within the state. Yeah, and if I think that would also give you a easier universal health care. I'm not saying it ever worked great, but people who are more likely to support that are going to be more likely to support the law, which means the law is going to go a little, or the legislation, not just law, but all of it, will go a little bit smoother because people aren't constantly attacking it like they did with the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. And if you don't want to live in a state that has it, move. Yeah. It's so much easier to leave. Or get involved in politics yeah. in your state and change yeah, the nature Yeah, or change of it. it. But it's so much easier to leave a state and go to another state in America that has what you want than it is to close off America and not give anywhere to go that's free. The, the closer you can bring these decisions to the individual, which yeah. was the intent of a lot of what we see in the Constitution, you know, there, there is the federal level and it has certain duties and responsibilities, yep. but the Tenth Amendment was to push a lot of that responsibility closer to the individual voter at the state level, the, the local level, county, city, whatever it may be, yeah. and give the voter a voice. And that's where the problem with the Electoral College and removing of or, or modifying the Electoral College kind of changes some of those dynamics because it removes the authority at a individual and it grants it to a larger body and that's not necessarily good. No, it's not. Well, you lose the people. Yeah. So especially when you have this many people in the country and on, on laws that are as divided as they are, guns, healthcare, whatever, you're just going to have the other team attacking it. Yeah. And it's never going to go right, which is why I love Tenth Amendment. Bring it to the people. So I'm curious, you've worked with Tom on this particular yeah. legislation, and this is one of the things that I found interesting when I read it, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe you can speak to this, is the, the role of this committee by comparison to the role of the courts, and I see two different groups where the courts can rule something unconstitutional, but it's a different process. How do you see the new process that's outlined in this document, at least this initial version, how do you see it functioning? I haven't even thought of that on it because I'm waiting to see what will happen if it goes through and how edited it'll get. Okay. I'm just kind of yeah. curious. I'm always, I, I, thought, yeah. I saw the interesting dynamic of the committee and and then the role it played on law enforcement and um, their role in not enforcing something found to be non-constitutional. I was just kind of curious if you had, if I think you had worked a, through yeah. it somehow. I haven't worked through it because it's a cool concept, but A, I've been really, really busy. But B, I'm, I always wonder how things are going to get apart once they get in there. That's true. So I've learned like an undergrad that I learned not to spend a lot of times looking at the original bill. Yeah. Because by the time if it does pass, 
by the time it gets through, God knows what you're going to get. And this was Tom's baby. I've just helped him push it a little. But we need to get Tom here to talk about it. Yeah, I think it would be a very good conversation yeah. because there, a lot of thought went into the process that's laid out in there. And you're right, it, it will probably get torn yeah, it's into Tom's, pieces and redone. Yeah, it's Tom's process. I, and yeah. I, I, I would recommend having a sit down with him and doing a podcast yeah. on his thoughts and how he's working. I'm trying to get working. him. Because it, it was, it's very well thought out in as much as there's, there's <clears> elements of it that talk about the role of the judicial aspect. It doesn't change and, and they're not impeded. That's outlined in the bill. But then it talks about the role of law enforcement when, a, when, a, when this committee finds and puts forth that something is unconstitutional constitutional and uh, I think it's it I think it's well worth people understanding these dynamics you know when something's unconstitutional and it's ruled unconstitutional where do you go from there and it's like I said there's pieces yeah. of the bill that actually address that and it's I think the listeners that may may be listening to this podcast or listen to a future podcast with Tom even if the bill doesn't pass they need to understand that there is different tiers of government that don't yeah. have certain authority yeah no the bill is long it's complicated and it's Tom Tom knows it through and through so that's definitely something to ask him but uh, I, I can't always catch up with Tom's processes. He's brilliant, on the, you know, especially on these things, but I can't always see where he's going. But I understand the value of bringing it back to the 10th Amendment. Because we saw, we saw Texas under Obama just com- fighting him all the time. Yeah. My high school fought him. It was in the news. I never thought I'd see Port Natchez Groves going up against Obama, but there they were on the transgender bathroom thing. And it's not like they even cared. <laughs> That's the thing. When I went to high school there, nobody cared. They just don't want the law. They don't want to be, t- they, they find it to be something a little crazy. So this would give people the right in Texas to go, we're not going to use whatever bathroom you want, but we're not going to enforce a silly law. There you go. Because that, when you enforce the law, that's when you start having the problems. That's where people have to oppose yeah, whatever that, yeah. it is you're trying to oppose. And that's because. when you get the narratives. And, and I just really don't want the federal government or even the state government dictating which bathroom I should or shouldn't use. Can you, uh, when you step back and look at that whole thing, I just want everybody listening to know that Americans are so out of touch with each other, they need the federal government to come in and tell them with bath- which bathroom to use. We were arguing on a federal, not state level, on a federal level over regulating bathrooms. Urinals and toilets. Yeah. Who's going to pee in it? (gasps) I can tell you right now as a woman, I have gone into the bathroom many times, and there has been someone in there that may have been a man, may have been a woman. I peed and left. Did not question them because some ugly women out there. (laughs) And I don't think up until it got made an issue that it was that big of an issue because women don't spend as much time as they think ogling people in the bathroom to determine their gender. I think honestly it's, it's, it's it's a slightly larger issue for men. But that's just because of the screwed up way we teach young men to look at look at. Y'all look at people's wee wees in the bathrooms. No, no, no. <laughs> no. When I was a kid, listen, you don't make eye contact in the men's bathroom. No, Period. no, it's, it's it's more kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> look in the eyes. Look in the eyes. No, but it's like I think I think men have a tendency to be a little more nervous because we're taught that if you're not a man, then there's something wrong with you, and. Gender issues aren't that important to me, but for some men, they are. Yeah, I, I have found women that get brought up. I have found in, in, in my experience, women care much less than men do, and men don't really give it, don't care that yeah. much. Now, I have seen more men coming in the bathrooms around here since 
that law or that topic came through and they had that look in their face of question me and I'm like I don't want to have a conversation in the bathroom go pee and get out (laughs) but see this goes back to what we were saying earlier what I brought up earlier is is bring these decisions down Down to to the the local area if you've got a local area that has certain stigmas surrounding these things let that local area deal with it not the whole whole nation force square peg round hole you know um, I would go if if a company wants to have male and female bathrooms and they want to stick with that leave them alone yeah you know if they want to have transgender bathrooms, God bless them. Let them do whatever they want. But why is somebody in Washington deciding this? It's why are insane. We, why are we legislating bathrooms? Yes. That's my big uh, yeah, question. That's, that's what I was about to say is I would bring it down even smaller than that. Just leave it alone. Let businesses, businesses yeah. schools, universities decide what's best for them. If you're in a very liberal university where you want to be be inclusive. Have 12 different bathrooms. God yeah. love you. Yeah. Be inclusive. Those gender neutral have, bathrooms are always have, gross. Have just bathroom. They let guys go in there. No, women's bathrooms are the worst. <laughs> Worked in a bar in the woman's bathroom, which is the grossest bathroom ever. They leave their pads out. You do not want to hear some of the stories I yeah, could tell. I don't know. I, worked, I, I did a few days in a woman's prison. Not me. I was a guard. But, uh... <laughs> that... Women are gross. <laughs> okay, let's go on to another subject. As far as bathrooms... So, busted that one. Let's talk about Justin... Amish. Am I saying that right? Amash. 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 Well, none of us Amish. are saying it right. I'm going to go with Amish. Justin Amish. Yeah, I'm going to have fun with it. I mean, Mr. Amish, please speak forth. I've, I've been viewing his, his record. Normally, when it comes to the idea of some, a Republican saying, I am a libertarian, I don't think so. You're a Republican. <laughs> But I've been watching uh, Justin Amash's record, and if he decided to run for president as a libertarian, I would have a hard time not supporting him. Yeah, well, I think that comes back to, especially with him, not necessarily other Republicans that would come, but him as a uh, candidate, I think that comes back to, again, that latitude of rejection, latitude of acceptance. Is he someone that is more to the liberty side? He seems to be. And would that start showing people that libertarians or even just libertarian-leaning people at this point getting into office, would that start showing people that we're not as crazy as we come out across on this podcast talking about women's bathrooms and guns? <laughs> yeah, it probably would. So The voting record is going to speak a lot for the individual. Yeah. And, and I do understand that if in a two-party system we've got it the the which we're going to talk about this in a minute this the, the deck is stacked against a third party very deliberately yeah. and the two parties are are very much in control they kind of swing back and forth but they they're two sides of the same coin you know they, they're basically arguing how to drive us off the cliff not whether they should stop driving us off the cliff um so recognizing that i can see individuals that are in either the democrat or republican party that are that are libertarian leaning or have libertarian philosophies and we've seen a number of those over the years wanting to reach across the aisle uh, into the Libertarian Party to run for a candidate like uh, president, especially when you're dealing with somebody like Trump that is, you know, very likely, very unlikely he's not going to be, but very likely going to be the candidate for the next election. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, how do you run against that, especially if you have an issue with him? Yeah, well, we're it's, seeing that with uh, what's his name? Bill Weld. Bill Weld. How did I forget that name? Yes. But we're seeing that with Bill Weld. And I'm kind of disappointed in his campaign because all I am seeing come from him is, I'm not Trump. 
Well, neither am I, but it's not going to get me elected anything. Yeah, and that's all he's running on he, that I've seen. There might be more out there. But following him on Facebook, it's a constant of, I'm not Trump. And I was like, well, neither is Hillary Clinton, but she couldn't beat Trump. So, uh... Well, it depends on who you ask. Hey, I'm asking the states. <gasps> <laughs> I think I'm, I think the president is president of America, and therefore America should be representative. I'm sorry, you're not going to get me going on that electoral college going away. <laughs> But speaking of, uh, what was that that they're doing to us? Bumping it up to 10% now? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, Bill... House Bill 4416? That's it. Yeah. You know, it's a very short read. Yeah, it is <laughs> it's basically... It's literally the change of one yeah. word, but that one word has implications. Yeah, and it's literally an FU to the Libertarian Party or any other party out there trying to get on. They're making it harder for us to maintain ballot access. Yeah, the move from 5 to 10% doesn't sound like a lot, and, and I, I, well, I suppose we'll maintain it, but it is, is a, definitely an attempt to reduce any competition. Yeah, well, what is 10% of the Texas voting population versus 5% of the Texas voting population? How big is that number? It's twice, twice as much. Yeah, so what's the number, though? I mean, yeah. in, in New Jersey, it's going to be like 10 people. But, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a deliberate attempt to reduce third-party ballot access. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a Green Party supporter, but I do like the idea of having competition out there to force people to think yeah. outside of their comfort zone. Well, you zone. know, they talk about how we need to be more like Europe all the time. Do you know there's more than two parties in England oh, yeah. on the ballot at all times? Well, the Libertarian Party is starting to be get more and more drive there. We've yeah. been following a Libertarian on there. Yeah. Well, if, if the Republican so, Party was a British party, it'd be three parties. See? At the minimum. Well, you got to make all things look as though they belong to the enemy, so it's easier to keep people divided with two. Yeah, but we, we have this system that, that it, and it's always been a two-party system. The parties have changed a couple of times since the founding of our country, but it's always been a two-party system. And, and look at what that's that doing drives, to our country. That, that drives everybody to the extremes. It most, really does. Yeah, most Trump supporters I talk to are like, we're just here because he's pissing off the Republicans. Or the Democrats. Most Democrat supporters I talk to like their people because they're pissing off the Republicans. And I'm like, so your big thing is you like them because they piss off the other half of America. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I got, I got into an argument with somebody online, and they were they, they, Trump supporter, good people, good guy. But I think he's wrong in supporting Trump. And, and he supports Trump more because he doesn't want the Democrats to win than because he supports Trump. Yeah, I had that t talk earlier, and the guy was like, well, a libertarian is a wasted vote. And I'm like, we're on a post right now griping about how the Republicans have dropped the ball and the Democrats are taking over and how, and you're telling me my vote is a wasted vote and I need to vote for Republicans to keep the Democrats from taking over? Are you not listening to the post you're on? Are <laughs> <laughs> you not paying attention? But yeah. think, think, for instance, though, if there were three major parties instead of two major parties, but there is a third major party, yeah. Libertarian Party, but I mean, uh, three major parties that were vying for the support of the people at a more equalized level. And we're getting enough support to get into debates to, to yeah. have automatic ballot access nationally. You see people looking, or politicians looking for the ability to work with other politicians that support these other two groups. 
uh, instead of this us versus them yeah. mentality. And that's really where we're at. We, we're constantly, it's us versus them. It's like watching sports teams. It's rooting for your your, your home team versus the, the, the visiting team that you don't like, which you don't know why you don't like. <laughs> right. You know, but you don't like them because they're not your team. If Wrong you had color. three major parties that were, that were equally represented yeah. by the people, they would have to work together. There's no more us versus them. Yeah. Which is we the dynamic the we've heard for generations now. We, we would have, for the first time in American history, we would have to consider coalition governments like they do in New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, a lot of places in Europe that haven't gone completely socialist. We, we would have to learn to work together to find what's the best balance for the individual. Yes. Because it would become harder for one party to own a group, yeah. uh, to, to own this this dynamic over here. This These are our people that will always vote for us, and if they don't, we're going to beat up on them a little bit. That would come to an end if we had at least three major parties that were, that were playing on an equal field. Yeah. Yeah, and so things like this where they try to remove third parties um, from the ballot, which is, this is what it is. When you when you kick that percentage up, um, I, I understand the argument of trying to keep out the, uh, the weird third parties. I don't know what you really want to define as weird because obviously they represent somebody. I don't know. Kinky Friedman said keep it weird, didn't he? I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a problem with weird, but the I'm thing not is, saying anything wrong with him, yeah. It, clearly it's an attempt to maintain the... the dual party yeah. control and so I mean if you really look at the two parties if you step back and look at the two parties they really aren't that different no, they're not they just argue about how to get where they're going but they're still going the same way and in the end they don't even argue how to get where they're going they just do it so we can look at them yeah notice that any bipartisan bill that goes through really easily is always an attack on the American people oh yeah so higher taxes None of them are stopping that. Uh, Abbott was uh, talking about how he's going to lower property taxes. Guess what he didn't do this round? Hmm. Lower property taxes? <clears throat> yeah, ours raised. Did the yours service. rise? Yeah, mine always raised. And and he, in the process of doing it, is trying to, to set, at least let us know how much our property taxes are going to go up every year. Yeah, that's nice, Because, because anything beyond this percentage it has to be voted on locally. How is Why that don't we lowering? make it so that we have to vote on any increases in property I want to know how in his twisted Period. little mind, I'm going to reduce property taxes equals, I'm going to tell you by how much I can raise them each year. Without having to get permission. Yeah. Which and is basically we, what that bill comes down to. And why are we taxing property anyway? I own yeah, this taxation house. Taxation of ownership is a problem. Yeah. Because it, 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 it practically, it... it creates a rental status. You don't actually no, own yeah. your property. That was another bill that Tom was pushing that didn't get picked up, which I, I was sad I about. I did see that, and yeah. I like the concept of trying to force that out of existence, even if it's incremental in, yeah. in the process. I, I do, you know, the government does have to function on a certain level of a budget, um, as much as I'd love to live in a utopian libertarian world where the government didn't. Uh, it functioned on contributions. So I get concepts like taxing um, transactions. Yeah. You go to the store, you buy a candy bar, and there's a, there's a tax on top of it. Uh, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yep. You don't want to buy the sandwich, go get your own cow and kill it, go for it. You got to write. That's right. But the, the taxation of ownership is, yeah. is a, to me, it's always been uh, problematic. It, it, it practically means you do not own what it is I've that you're paying taxes on. I've never actually looked. Are there taxes on taxes yet? 
out there are on some level. It's supposed like, to be illegal, but they're they're there. Yeah, I'm wondering well, if there's they're a actually, tax on they're property tax. Pushing, they're actually pushing for that to, with the VAT taxes. Yeah, I've heard something. They're, they're I didn't trying know to. If it was a there, thing. there are people Can't pushing VAT ta- uh, uh, value added taxes like they have in Europe. They always pick the wrong taxes. things about Europe to be like, yeah. look at all those parties. That's pretty. No, we don't want to be like Europe. Look at the universal health care system that's falling apart and has thousands of people canning the preventative care because the system's overloaded. We want that. Yeah. Pick the wrong thing. So on yeah. the topic, oh, yeah. though, of Sorry. House Bill, no, on 4416, I don't know when this podcast would go up, but if you're listening to this on this particular weekend, on Monday, this is potentially going to be your day to reach out to your representative and tell them what you feel about this. Yes, yeah. and, and this I was is, told... This is April the 8th. Yeah. You and, can, and this should be up before then. And I was told by our rep last time, he was our rep last time, that people actually calling up there because nobody ever calls. So he said, if you get 12 calls on something, people are interested and the representatives tend to take an interest. So just call. I don't know how true it is, but hey, he said it, so just call them. Annoy them. That's why they're there. A two-minute phone call, even if you're only leaving a message, could be part of the decision-making process for your representative. Take a couple of minutes, call them, and tell them that you want to maintain ballot access for the smaller parties so that you have a choice. Yep. Because right now, the you know having a Democrat or Republican choice is really not much of a choice because they really they just argue about how they're going to do what they're going to do, not not and doing I it. I wonder if that's actually a free speech issue too, because they're not allowing the people. I mean, how many people in this country are independent? Hats. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But how many people register as independent in this country that are and they? I mean, how many non-voters are there in this country that could vote? Well, there's way too many of those. Yeah, it's because and why? The question is why don't they vote? They don't feel like they're getting anything for their vote. They feel like it's a waste of time. So by not by by fighting to keep people off the ballot that might represent this very large group of people more than the Democrats and Republicans are doing, would that be considered a free speech issue? I hear that it's a free speech issue to put uh, term limits on Congress. Hmm. Interesting. So is it a free speech issue to say we're not going to talk about third party candidates? We're going to keep you all off the ballot? I think you make a good argument there. I would rather them just not pass the bill. For I would moment. rather it too. Yeah. yeah, but it's an interesting argument to make. I mean, when you when you break it down, it is you are removing somebody's voice yeah. from the process that they have a right to. I wonder what our founding fathers would say. We need to dig them up and have a podcast. Hey, where are our necromancers? We have to have some in the Libertarian Party. Yeah, we, should, we should do that for Halloween. <laughs> it's like the Adam uh, Adam family. Wake up the dead. <laughs> <laughs> a big bomb. We're the Libertarian Party of Hayes County, and we are digging up founding fathers to ask them questions. Look, they're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they are. <clears throat> yep, that's what they're doing. We played D&D one night, and that was a thing. The rolling politicians, they had to get over the, the <laughs> hills that they were causing. <laughs> My D&D nights don't follow rules. We just kill things. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty much what D&D is. <laughs> I know, I've been playing it for 40 years. Yeah, no, I just BS with it. So, April the 8th, hopefully you've heard this by then. Give them a call, let them know that you want, let them know if you want to be able to make choices other than the Republicans or the Democrats. Because numbers are showing us that 60% of Americans are neither nowadays. 
so this sounds to me a lot like we're trying to win back those people who are running away from us. Yeah. Those people who are walking away, we want to bring them back. So, since we can't convince them with our arguments, let's do it by making it harder for other people to get their message out and get on the ballot and provide choice. Do we have anything else on this subject that we would like to discuss? I think we wore that subject out. <laughs> I ran it right into the ground. You should all tell Vince hi and to feel better soon. Yes, Vince, we miss you. Yes, you've got to be on one of these podcasts soon. So, we're going to call that an end to this podcast. This has been our third podcast, and we are so glad that you were able to join us. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.